0: Howdy! Welcome to the Culture Cave, or welcome back. I should say, to the Culture Cave, because I know you've been watching those last two Back to the Future episodes and you're salivating in the mouth. Anthony, where do you rank this one?
1: Okay, tier list. Let's do a tier list of the Back to the Future films, right? Yeah, sure. So, in the S tier, we got Back to the Future Part 1.
0: Sure, okay, I'll agree with that.
1: I would also put this one in the S tier too. Back to the Future Part 3, S tier.
0: S tier, oh, wow, okay, all right.
1: It's not going to be surprised to anyone, but see Back to the Future Part 2? F tier. Not as good as the other two, but it's going in the S tier. Oh, that's ridiculous. Come on, they're all S tier. Anthony's
0: made a mockery of the tier <laughs> system. The the sacred <laughs> YouTube tier system. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this is all, this is better than the second one, not as good as the first one. It's still a good movie, though. It is still a good movie. I, I like how focused this one is.
1: I mean, the first one, there's a reason why that's the one where the musical was made of. You know what I mean? They made a musical, <laughs> of the first one. It's clearly the best. Um, This one here is second best, I would agree, but it is very good. The Old West, they nail it. Oh, they do. They nail it. They've even, got the, they've even got those th- three little weird voice men from all the Westerns. Oh,
0: we'll get to him. I, I like, As soon as I heard that voice, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. That's the guy from Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. But yet, talking about the music, obviously, like, Alan Silvestri, he is back, but his score for this is probably, I'm going to say the best of all three movies because he has the theme. The theme is legendary. We all know the Back to the Future theme, but the motifs anthony the motifs the western motifs that he works into this the 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 styles or the the stylization of of that that theme is really something impressive i was really into it in this movie i have to say
1: really brought the genre in like that's yeah the thing is it's so crazy that in this like sort of sci-fi time travel series they were like let's just make the last one a a full-blown western and you know what it really works I love it. Yeah, it's great.
0: It, like so, yeah. The rest of the gang's back. Spielberg gets a gets a producer credit for the first time, although he's kind of been chipping in ideas for the whole thing. Huey Lewis and the News are out. We're bored of them. ZZ Top are in because <laughs> apparently they are more of a Western band than Huey Lewis. They got the beans for it. it.
1: They got the beans for it. They do
0: have the beans for it. They appear in the movie. We'll get to that a bit later. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. This is this is another period movie. And I said in the last episode, I think the problem I have with two is it's not very focused. It kind of jumps around a lot mm-hmm. by design, but I don't think that works very well. Whereas the first one, it's all in the 50s. And this one, it's all in the Old West. It's all in 1885. Yep. And I think, I think it benefits from that because you get to see much more of a, ca- a consistent cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, stop me if you think I'm wrong, but I'm going to say this is Doc Brown's movie.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Actually, yes, you're probably right with that. Like
0: he's the heart. Well, him and um, him and uh, Mary Steenburgen's character, whose name Clara, Clara, um, Clara Clayton. Yeah. Um. That's that's the heart of this movie. I think that like Marty's there. He's doing stuff, but um, but very much like George McFly and Lorraine's romance is kind of to a lesser extent than this, but kind of the heart of Back to the Future 1, Uh, Doc Brown and Clara's relationship is the heart of this one, I think.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's actually one of the reasons why this film is... Second in in sort of quality in the trilogy because the third one uh, sorry the second one didn't really have that didn't really have that sort of romance right. at the core of it whereas this one does and the first one did you're right the reason why Marty McFly is going back in time is to try and save Doc Brown's life because he finds out that he died yeah. in a in a in a gun battle
0: over a matter of eighty two dollars I believe is uh, is 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 what it, what is in uh, what it was over I think it
1: was eighty dollars but you know we're not we're not we're not, we're, we're not bicker we're not bicker <laughs> um, although although the introduction of Doc Brown is pretty cool when he saves Marty from being hanged.
0: Oh, with this fucking sniper rifle. <laughs> like,
1: okay, right. You've
0: mentioned it, so let's just talk about that for a second. At some point in every movie series, particularly ones that are constrained by the technology of the periods that they operate in, the creators of the movie series just say, ah, fuck it, and just like start throwing in whatever they want. And Doc Brown... The things that he's able to have build in 1885 in this movie are a little far-fetched, I'm going to say.
1: What, a refrigerator? Like a freezer? Yeah,
0: the, the the ice-making machine and the sniper rifle are... I mean, I know they had, they had long-range rifles in 1885, but, like optics simply weren't there for <laughs> that kind of, that kind of scope in 1885.
1: The funny thing is that, that that's, I, I completely passed me by that that wouldn't have existed, because during that scene, I was paying closer attention to Marty, because I knew the piece of trivia, Now i sort of jumping the gun on our trivia here, but, oh
0: shit, I'm gonna have to scribble this out. Yeah, go on, say it now.
1: So, Marty actually, like Michael J. Fox, I suppose, actually got hanged here for a brief moment, and he, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he actually, like, was unconscious or something, was he? Yeah, he passed out, yeah, it was he wrote about it in his autobiography
0: that he just was hanged and passed out for like several minutes until he was resuscitated which is you wouldn't get away with that on a modern, imagine like fucking chris evans on the set of captain america just like i was actually shot in the chest,
1: <laughs> crazy. Like they literally hung their main actor. Yeah. <laughs> Why was there not a hundred contingencies in place? Like,
0: yeah, for a start, like, don't make it an actual noose. Also, he's like, he's like,
1: he's like, it's it's he's like like choking on it, and then, and they're like, he is a brilliant actor.
0: Maybe Robert Zemeckis was lucky, and him. was like, has he been talking to Eric Stoltz because he's being very method about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a little callback for people who watched the first episode. Oh, they all did. Don't yeah. worry, they all did. Okay, so first things first then. We've, we've jumped around a bit there, but I have to get one thing straight. This movie manages to be racist to both native americans and the irish and i think that's impressive like right off the bat as soon as we get to the old west 10 give it 10 minutes it's like okay we've got stereotypical native americans and then Marcy, uh, michael j fox doing i'm not going to say it's the worst irish accent i've ever heard but it's not high on the lists or, or it is high on the list, I should say.
1: So, you know, I, I've been living in Ireland since I was 12, right? And my wife is Irish. We were watching this thing, which watching this film, really thinking to ourselves, is that a poor Irish accent? Oh, okay. You know what? I actually don't think he does too bad of a job. I honestly don't, and I think you've had it here first. Unfortunately, viewing that as a terrible Irish accent in my mind, that's the that's the true bigotry all along. <laughs> because unfortunately, there are people in Ireland who sound like that. So saying that it's too over the top perhaps is just insulting the accent in general.
0: <laughs> no, mate, maybe I've I've had I've been hoisted by my own petard here. I've had the I've had the mirror held up against my face. <laughs>
1: And I don't like what I see. I, I've heard some real like people from Dublin. and like, it's, a, it's a very thick, harsh accent. In amongst the Old West voices, it does sound really out of place. And that helps you think it's really weird as well. I will say, though, it will never be a bad accent to me. And that's purely because uh, Marty McFly seems to, or Michael J. Fox, seems to have done a fair bit of research. Because he actually calls the baby Barbie. And that is really Irish. The yeah. wee Barbie.
0: That is true. He needed to talk about how he was gonna um, take um, take bit or take Mad Dog outside and give him a beton or something like that. A beton? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That would be Northern Irish. A beton.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're in we're in the McFly household. I've got a question for you. You're you're the time travel man. You're the you're the plot hole man. We've talked about this already. I've come in guilty. Why the fuck does Marty's great great grandmother look like his mum? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Is the implication that Lorraine's great relative had already dipped into the McFly bloodline and then dipped back out again at some point?
1: It has to be. They've pulled the incestuous rug out from under our feet here, and unfortunately, this does heavily imply that Lorraine's Great, uh, Granny is is actually married to George's grandfather.
0: They really should have found that one in the family tree at some point, but like, maybe we shouldn't have children. This could this could get messy.
1: It's Oh, it is, it is messy. I, I don't really understand that. Apparently the role of Seamus McFly was written for Crispin Glover, which makes it even weirder, because that means they're going to have the exact same romance... Two generations before.
0: They might as well have just recreated the whole thing and had her like fall in love with Marty and then be like, it's like (laughs) kissing, it's like kissing me, brother. And then, (laughs) like. (laughs) In that in that day and age though, it probably would have been fine. They'd have been like, ah, oh, whatever. Well, of
1: course, well, apparently it is, yeah. So
0: that's messed up. I mean, re- the, I think the real answer is they just wanted uh, they wanted Leia Thompson back in this movie, and that was the way to do it. And and to hell with the consequences.
1: They should have had Herbie Clara.
0: That make Doc Brown like Marty's like great great grandfather.
1: That would make sense why he's hanging around with him.
0: <laughs> We've cracked it. We've cracked the code. That's <laughs> Robert Zemeckis. You've done it again. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine. We've cracked it. Let's just assume that Mary Steenburgen isn't in this movie uh, for the rest of it, uh, for the purposes of that. Talking about accents, very quickly, uh, you've mentioned it already, uh, but we got a bonus Pat Buttram of Disney, who was in Robin Hood and the Aristoc- Aristocrats. Um, actually, all of those old drunk dudes in the saloon are like staple character actors from westerns.
1: Yeah, their voices can be heard throughout John Wayne movies and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. And Pat Buttram is the one that everyone will know. I- I'm, I'm going to try and do it. Hold on, I'm going to take a run up to it, and we're going to see how my Pat Buttram goes. Who's got the voice that sounds like this? That's the that's that's my Pat Buttram.
1: Right, let me give it a go. Let, let, uh, number two, to, number two to the plate, Anthony. Stepping out. He just likes to hold it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. You got you got the kind of whistle at the end. At yeah, the, at... he he
1: just likes.
0: To hold. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Marty's back in back in 1885. It, because of they find a they find a delorean it's a whole thing they blow up some stuff to, to get to it now the plans to get marty back to his correct time have always been fairly dangerous in the first movie it's like you've got to hit this uh, wire at exactly this time and exactly this speed when the lightning strikes or else you're in trouble there was still road for him to drive down so he wasn't just killed in this one he's got to get a train to push him at the speed that he needs to go to And he's going to appear on an existing railway that doesn't exist in in 1885.
1: But the Earth moves.
0: The Earth does move as well, so that doesn't make any sense. But let's just assume that this works in, in terms of physics. If, if he misses it, he's just going to fly off this bridge to his death. That's the plan, essentially.
1: That's the plan, Stan.
0: I don't think that's a solid plan.
1: I, I can assume that they chose this track because it is flat and level. Why didn't they stay on the main track? Uh, we'll just assume it is flat and level and maybe the other track doesn't exist anymore. Doc knows his ways. Why on earth they didn't go and just... Dis- get the gas from Doc's DeLorean that he took back? I don't know. They should have done that! He'd put the DeLorean in a fucking cave! Yeah,
0: oh, that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like, they that nothing's that thing's full of gas.
1: Yeah, it's full of gas, it's, you know, it's full of Japanese parts that are very well made. It, it could have got them straight back. I don't know why they weren't doing that. That's a that's a big,
0: that's quite a big plot hole, to be honest, to be like, like cause, I mean, the only argument against that would be, oh, I've already blown up the, you know, I've already blown up the tunnel and whatever and sealed it in. It's like, we'll, we'll just unblow it up with with more dynamite, it's far easier. For this entire like train plan that you've come yeah. up with. Yeah,
1: so I, there is a little bit of uh, there is a little bit of leeway there for Doc saying maybe in his attempts to get it working, he r- wasted all of the fuel. All right, and they just they just ignored it because it was wasted. Let's give him that. This next plot hole, Conrad, in uh, Anthony's part three of the plot hole extravaganza, okay. is gonna blow your mind because this Go is on. the one that there's no excuses for, no matter what. Okay. OK, Clayton Ravine, it was called uh, Shonash Ravine, which is an old Indian name. And then it got changed to Clayton Ravine because a young school teacher fell into the ravine, one Clara Clayton. So in the 55 that Marty is living in, yeah, we know two facts. It's called Clayton Ravine and Doc had a lover called Clara Clayton. But how are those two facts correct at the same time? Because if she had fell in the ravine, then he never would have saved her and met her to fall in love with her.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I, well, okay, so I suppose Doc Brown could have been out independent of his activities with Marty, and he could have saved her in that initial one no, no hold on like, like he, could, he could have saved her that time but then years later but then it wouldn't have been called Clayton Ravine well no that he would have <laughs> saved her from that one and then years later in a totally unrelated uh, or a totally separate instant she would have fallen in anyway like that's it. that's the only thing i can think of
1: is that well we know that's not true because he got shot 2 days later or
0: something well okay so maybe he saved her from that one and then he's shot and then in her grief she threw herself into the into the ravine. Been. maybe that's what happened
1: but i also like he he wrote he wrote the letter he mentioned clara in the letter didn't he my beloved yeah. oh no no it says that on, it said no it says that on the stone oh, it's on the gravestone yeah it says that okay so she, okay, so it's only says that on the stone because she paid for it all right okay so that's what happened then uh he did meet her he was out there doing something maybe look at the stars who knows he met her and then, yeah, then he died in the the over eighty dollars. Mad Dog Tannen killed him, yeah. And, and then, then she, <laughs> and then she threw herself into the ravine. I think, yeah, that 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 stacks up. There's
0: some poetry to that. I think. I think. I, I trust. I trust Robert Zemeckis to, to 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 land that plane. Okay, so Biff. Then we have mentioned him briefly there. Or Ma- is he called Biff in this? I didn't actually ever catch his first name. Buford. Oh, Buford. That's it. Buford. Mad Dog Tannen. Um, real nature over nurture themes. <laughs> <laughs> in this regarding the tannins a couple of couple of questions i have in this one biff as a character or a tannin the 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 resident tannin antagonist in this series has gone from an awful bully who is a, is a potential sexual abuser to a murderous magnate to uh the literal worst cowboy that has ever lived like mad dog tannin is a nightmare person yeah i mean essentially what they're saying is that no matter what a tannin does in their life, they will always become a complete scumbag no matter who raises them, what environment Um, which I think is an interesting comment that Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale are making on, uh, on human nature
1: there this, this family line is is putrid to the core. Yeah, there's no saving it. Although, having said that though, Mad Dog is one of my favourite iterations of this character. I think that Tom Wilson is his name. He did a fantastic job making himself into a different thing for me. I think, to the point where when I was a child, I actually think the first time I watched it, I didn't realise it was the same actor. I mean, I think to, to a
0: certain extent in all three movies, he more than anyone else has to reinvent himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, the sort of magnate Donald Trump Biff in Back to the Future 2 isn't really that similar to high school bully biff in in back to the future one and likewise buford is a complete i mean they're both they're all evil but they're completely different characters have completely different mannerisms for the most part um completely different ways of talking so yeah it like he, a great performance from him
1: also he also has that version of himself who's like worm tongue to uh george mcfly
0: <laughs> worm tongue great <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I told you to take away his staff. Uh, that's what we need. Is is uh, a version of the Lord of the Rings with Tom That's what he's like, though, isn't he? He is a little bit. He's a sycophant. Yeah, he just sucks up to Marty. Uh, to to George rather. Okay, so we get the we get the town festival. Lovely music. Um, yeah, ZZ Top playing a country version of Double Doubleback. Um, why doesn't Strickland, when Buford and his gang reveal that they haven't actually turned in all their guns to enter the festival, and they draw a gun, threaten a man, and then threaten his, his partner, why doesn't he just kill him? Why doesn't he just shoot him with his shotgun?
1: Because this is the biggest uh, twist of all. Strickland is a slacker. Oh, no. I think he is a slacker because Buford Bad Dog Tannen should have been put into jail here. Um, Maybe even hung or even killed then and there because he was yeah. literally shooting party members. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you got a point there, Conrad. Uh, what I will say to you is they try to slip in a little joke that Marty invented Frisbee. So not only skateboards, he's also invented the Frisbee. And he he also,
0: you know, we haven't actually said this yet, but um, in, in a departure from the second movie, he takes a pseudonym of Clint Eastwood in this. So he's also making the name Clint Eastwood famous in this. And he also, which I really liked as a callback to Back to the Future Part 2, in 2 we see 85 Biff watching uh, the good the bad and the ugly yeah specifically the bit where um angel eyes is uh, is shot in the chest and seemingly killed and then he reveals he's wearing like a metal plate on his chest as mm-hmm. like a sort of rudimentary bulletproof vest and he does it in this movie and I-, I respect a callback to back to the future 2
1: yeah, no, I really thought that was cool. Uh, but I will say Marty has balls of steel because the coverage of that metal plate wasn't huge—not
0: a lot, no. <laughs> like, you you could still get shot quite easily in the in the stomach, and that'll kill you. Yeah,
1: yeah, like it—it it wasn't very big. Um, so yeah, like props to Marty for that. Um. I, I like the idea, and this one is maybe the first time we've seen like the photograph change from Doc to Clint Eastwood. So like we've had it change before, but it usually changes to like a good outcome. This yeah. one changed from one bad outcome to another bad outcome, which I thought was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that definitely is interesting, and I, I I love that whole like showdown at the end. It's really, but this movie essentially has like two endings. It has like the kind of shootout ending. It's not really a proper shootout, but it's very tense. Uh, Buford is very menacing, uh, and and that's like that comes to its conclusion. And then we have the wild train sequence at the end as well, where yeah, it's not a Deus Ex Machina, but Doc has invented like super hot burning fuel that he just chucks into a, a steam engine and makes it explode at a certain time, which is kind of dumb, but it it really works quite well uh, as a as an exciting uh, conclusion to the story, I think.
1: Yeah and uh, and we get the nice little ending to the to the Doc and Clara um you know relationship where she comes back because he tells her that he's a time traveler uh, and then she comes back and then he eventually he doesn't go back to the future because he like gets on the hoverboard and saves her instead which I thought was lovely but in that romance in that courtship of them there is a moment where they're talking about Jules Verne 10000 leagues under the sea and uh Doc accidentally lets slip that he read it when he was a little boy okay And uh, Clara laughs and says, you couldn't have read it when you were a little boy. It was only published 10 years ago. Now, here's a question for you, Conrad. How old would Doc be when he's a little boy? You think like eight years old?
0: Sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
1: So we know from the continuity of this film that adult Doc looks the same no matter what. So actually... This doc she's talking to could be a 19-year-old young man.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to tell.
1: It's impossible to tell. Like, so, actually, I think that's a bit of a mistake from the writers there because this could be an 18-year-old Christopher Lloyd hit.
0: Yeah, I'm buying that. Uh, here's something I'm not buying as we get to the end of this. I understand why they do it. I understand why they have the denouement. You get, to, you get some Elizabeth Shoe, you get some Marty. He turns down the race with Flea, so Flea gets a paycheck in this, or ne- what's his name? Nails? Needles in this.
1: Needles. Also, um, uh, Jennifer gets her... Um... Her little, uh, you're fired paper to disappear. So she gets her own one of those.
0: Absolutely. And then we get the, the big, the big reveal. I understand why they did it. And I understand it's a feel good moment, but that train just shouldn't work in any way. I'm not much of a physicist. I'm certainly not
1: an engineer of, of
0: aerodynamics,
1: but that thing shouldn't fly. That's not the biggest problem here, Conrad. The biggest problem is why the hell do the crossing lights go off? Before
0: he's even come into the time. That is wild. That implies that they operate <laughs> on some kind of like metaphysical level where it's like I can feel something coming. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, 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 like what's going on there? <laughs> I got two points. Two points on this final scene. Go on. My first point is is that geez, that little Vern is an evil bastard, isn't he? There's a moment where he says, my jewels and Vern. And when you show Vern, he looks so evil, that kid. It's Vern Ver- it the on. youngest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's a... Cl- I was going to do this in trivia, but I'll do it now. There's a classic moment um, when apparently when child actors need to like go to the toilet or something on step, they'll have, they'll have like, a handler. Like It's often like one of their parents, but it's not always. Yeah. And because they don't want to say something during takes, they'll have like little hand gestures they do. And there's a close-up of uh, Dot Brown's face and, and his head isn't like kind of crotch level with his two sons. Yeah. And you can, and you can see uh, Vern doing this desperate, like, beckoning motion with one of his hands and then pointing at where his penis is. Um, where <laughs> So that actor clearly was, like, needed the toilet during that scene and is desperately motioning for someone to come and take <laughs> him away. Which is maybe why he looks like such an evil little monster because it was like, he was bursting. He was bursting <laughs> for the toilet. I can't believe they left it in. He's been holding it for a hundred years! Like- oh yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Also, the second point is, on the frame, I never actually read what it- said on the frame before but i thought it was pretty cool it said uh you know because he gave him the frame of them in front of the clock back in 1885 and it says to my partner in time
0: oh nice very good um i will say that that photograph was not taken in 1885 Like that is the highest resolution photograph I have ever seen. from me to... like, have you seen photos of that time period? It's just like a splodge of white with eyes in the middle <laughs> yeah. of like darkness. In most of those photos, it's like, you can't even make out as a person.
1: For how quick the flash was, yeah. I think the higher quality photos from back then aren't they like longer? They take longer to. Um...
0: Yeah, like the expo. I yeah, think the, I the exposure, it's yeah. exposure or not, but it's yeah. They, they you had to sit still for like five minutes while the while the uh, while you were exposed to the film. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I wasn't buying it. Um, okay, right. So that's all sorted. Oh, actually, no, I had one thing I wanted to say before we get into the trivia. Um, how come Biff is still alive in 1985? Do you not think that Mad Dog Tannen was going to get taken off and hung or hanged he might
1: have already had a child
0: yeah I feel like he would have mentioned it I guess maybe he could have had one and not known about it he does seem like the kind of person he was going around doing all sorts of uh...
1: yeah but why would his son be called Tannen if you know what I mean or his daughter yeah. or whatever
0: I was expecting I didn't remember this movie very well and I was like oh okay well that's the end of the Tannen line then we like so we've gone from ha ha he's been covered in shit and humiliated <laughs> yeah. to we've ruined his life like we've taken away all this wealth from him and ruined his life and then finally the natural end of that arc is he's just dead now. We've just killed all of all of his <laughs> life. Um, so I was I was surprised to see Biff show up at the end of this movie alive and well somehow. Uh, maybe he had a kid while he was in prison. I don't know. Maybe he reformed.
1: But they kept the they kept the good version of him. You know, let's be honest. He kept the one that waxes Marty's uh new new ca- new car twice but
0: he but he shouts at Marty you know he's still got that edge to him the first thing he does, <laughs> he does. is call him butthead so you know there's still I wouldn't personally I don't understand why George still employs him because he like you know he's still he's he's not to be trusted I wouldn't trust him well so
1: what about Lorraine like truly what is exactly George, oh, what yeah. is George doing this man who <laughs> tried to rape Lorraine when she yeah. was a teenager is now hanging around their house all the time and George is okay with it because he's getting yeah. him to do stuff for him do you, like do you think
0: do you think Lorraine brings it up and George is like, "Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, Lorraine"? <laughs> like, no, that was that was my Crispin Glover impersonation. <laughs> okay, right. Very quickly then, bit of trivia. You've done you've done the main one that I had, so uh, I just wanted to do one last bit. Tom Wilson, the actor who plays uh, Mad, Buford Mad Dog Tannen in this, did all of his own horse stunts in this movie, including lassoing Marty. A
1: bit too, a bit too well that lasso, to be honest. A
0: bit well, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so not only was he, you know, putting on a great performance and uh, and really really bringing the character to life, but he was doing all this physical stuff as well. I like, absolutely, absolutely. I think you know this is Doc Brown's movie, but Tom Wilson's uh, Mad Dog Tannen is is a star of the show here as well. I think.
1: This is a man who he didn't deserve his career to, like tank after this. I don't know if it tanked, but he definitely did, didn't become a household name. Tom Wilson, like
0: no, and like this is still the role that everyone associates him with. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, of course. I think it's fair to say he was he was very typecast, but uh, you never know. I mean, he's probably what like sixty now. Make Back to the Future Four. I can't believe that movie hasn't been made.
1: Rob Roberts and Bob Gale. They said as long as they live, uh, they're not going to they're not going to let it be done because they own the rights.
0: Well, that's probably good. I mean, I I prefer that honestly, but it just seems like the 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 appeal of uh, remaking nostalgia properties is so
1: big at the moment. I'm so glad they're still holding out. I, I will say as well though, um that uh Christopher Lloyd apparently wanted a fourth one to be made, uh, where him and Marty go back to ancient Rome. Oh, amazing. As as funny as that and great as that would be. Jeez, Christopher Lloyd, you went through three films and you still don't really understand what these films are about. Like just like it's just like <laughs> he's, he's like, like, Let's go to ancient Rome. It's like yeah. it was never about where you're going. <laughs> that's got kind of a space in this one like what's the storyline who's leah thompson gonna play in ancient rome like oh that'd what? be great
0: imagine yeah she plays she plays like cleopatra or something just to, just, just to be. he
1: literally just wants black adder is what he wants
0: yeah basically yeah he just wants to he just wants to get dressed up in outfits which you know i can empathize with yeah but that's it back to the future three done back to the future as a series done we did it uh thank you for watching along with us uh please Give the give the show a like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Get involved in the comments. Let us know ways in which you think that Mad Dog Tannen managed to survive his ordeal in prison and have and have children, um, or maybe maybe he's not actually even related. Maybe it's completely unrelated, and Biff Tannen is just a just a guy who looks similar to him.
1: Every in, in, in Hill Valley, every like bad bully guy looks like that. I don't know why. It's just how it goes.
0: Yeah, there, there's there, it's a very limited gene pool, so you know.